Hello, welcome to Arcade Couch, the best place to chill with your friends and get your gaming goodness every Monday at 6 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. I'm Ashley Hobley. Join me today on the couch is Kieran Munch. Hi! It is I here for a fantastic week where we've got to catch them all. Yes, still Norse gods. Yep. We gotta catch them all with drop frames and bugs and glitches. On today's episode of Arcade Catch, we'll be touching on Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, a game that we have not played. Uh, <laughs> we'll also be talking about uh, a bunch of gaming arrests. Uh, and you know, Overwatch is doing weird stuff as as always. Uh, kick things off with a couple of reviews that we've had and previews gone up on the website. Uh, Will has got a review for fabula once upon a space times early access um which is a few like synopsis is cross blades with a space knight in an epic roguelite where the futuristic and medieval collide battle loot and upgrade your way across galaxy defeating rival ships in gripping melee combat on a quest to save your kingdom from destruction uh will writes uh fabula once upon a space time has launched in a solid state with three chapters currently available two different chips and two game modes there is enough more than enough there to justify the purchase upon its early launch access launch its methodical combat is a joy to dig into and the systems outside of the combat are well designed and exciting to engage with underscored by a striking visual design and flair definitely a game i'll dip into from time to time throughout its early access phase yeah a game that kind of looks interesting it looks like it's like a top-down roguelite but you're a spaceship knives that's that's the thing uh dylan also put up a review for shatter remastered deluxe so uh relive the award-winning classic while redefining the brick-breaking genre shatter returns in a stunning 4k resolution at 120 frames per second with a modernized ui and multiple visual improvements re-experience the highly acclaimed original soundtrack remixed and remastered in 5.1 surround sound dylan writes shadow remastered deluxe is an excellent brick-breaking game Considering it over 10 years old is a testament to how good the core gameplay is that a simple visual and audio makeover to make this feel fresh again. If you're a fan of the genre, it's a must-play, especially if you've never got, never got a chance to play it on PS3. I never play Shadows, so... Neither. You know, maybe this is... 100% neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, who doesn't like a good bri- brick-breaking game? <laughs> you know, you got to break them bricks. Yeah. Yeah. Bricks, bricks are only there to be broken. That's the, you might yeah. even shatter them, even. Shatter, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is, you know, I can see why they named it that way. All right. So yeah, yeah check those reviews out on explosionhour.com to learn more. <laughs> Let's just jump straight to the news. Uh, and the big one, the nominees for this year's Game Awards have been released uh, with, you know, some pretty big names, some pretty interesting choices in different categories. Uh, this next episode of Arca Couch, we'll be doing our full predictions of uh, all the winners, plus what we think are going to be revealed at the show. Uh, and the most important question, how many re- how many of these awards are actually going to be presented on stage? You know, that that's the real, that's the big test this year. You, know? you that's see, the I feel like there's question. less awards this year. I think there's the exact same amount. Oh, really? <laughs> when my creek breweries, it looked less, but that's fair. Probably a lot yeah, of them I won't don't... be shown still. No, anything that's a cat, uh, anything that's a genre one, no. Uh, yeah, but the big category of the year, of course, is game of the year. The nominees are a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. 
Uh, Kieran, what did you think of that list? This, I think the honesty is, the honesty is, no matter what, this is a two-horse race. Yep. I think this is between God of War Ragnarok and, um, and Elden Ring. It will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think we'll get into predictions next week, but I think it, it leans heavier one way based on just the general vibe and premise of the video game awards, in my opinion. Um, but you know what? I think it's a, you know, a pat on the back to the rest of the, the titles that got nominated, including, I think, especially uh, Stray and Plague Tale. I think both of them being nominated is a, hey, you did a good job. Great work. At the same time, it feels like they're just padding for numbers a little bit, where you could have just had, you know, Game of the Year nominations be just the top two, just be Elden Ring and God of War, Ragnarok. <laughs> wow. And, no, I honestly think you could. I think, I think... I think you could probably say that every year, you know? Not yes and no. I think sometimes there's more deserving options, and, like, there's multiple deserving options, and then only a couple padders. Like, I think, you know, normally... I think when you can, when you, in my personal opinion, when you compare God of War and Horizon, Horizon's on a like God of War is on a different level to Horizon, in my opinion. I think Horizon slightly fell off the face of the earth after it was released. I don't think it had like the ongoing um, community reaction and community kind of growth around it, where even like you know a week, two weeks after the God of War launch, we've still got people making content about it, people being excited about it. Uh, I'm excited to make a spoiler cast, hopefully, about it, if I can get it finished in the next week or so, um, with with Dill and, and potentially you as well, if, mm. you know, if you've got there. But, um, yeah, I think we're at a point of of an interesting period where, yeah, I think this year was, I think, Elden... The, the situation was, as of, like, May-June... Okay, game of the year at the moment is Elden Ring. It is now a challenge to see who can step up to the plate to to kind of meet that expectation and meet that challenge. And I think the only game that we have had to do that is God of War. And I think God of War and Elden Ring, though, have to be measured in such different ways that game of the year could very easily go either way on either of them. I just think it depends on the judging criteria, on the set of judges that they have, on the viewpoint they're taking into what game of the year means and what um, the situation is overall for it. Yeah, it's very interesting because obviously those two uh, game studios, you know, Santa Monica and uh, from for Software, they're both, both of their previous games won game of the year. So God of War, of course, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Or, no. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Shadows Die Twice. Uh, they both won Game of the Year, so I mean they're coming off Game of the War, Game of the Year winning of what? Uh, the thing games, was so. right. One of those was far more deserving, and one of those was very out of left field for that year. I think Sekiro was a very strange pick for that year when we yeah, look just, at the, uh, what it had. What it had so it was up against uh, your Sekiro, Control, Death Stranding, The Outer Worlds, Resident Evil Two, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. Which was, it was a weird year. I think everybody put Death Stranding in the bag because, you know, Kojima and... Kojima, but also I think... I think uh, Sekiro was a very... It was very... It was reasonably niche. 
Yeah, still. It, it just didn't, I don't know, it was the thing is, I think the interesting is Elden Ring, yes, Elden Ring has escalated to a point where it was a, a overall um, kind of fan situation and like a lot of people in the community was excited for it and, and hype around it. I just don't think it was, it's, it'll be interesting this year when it goes up against a certified blockbuster like God of War Ragnarok. Hmm. Uh, yeah, on the other nominees, I mean, Horizon, I mean, it's still a beautiful game. I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, Plague Tag Work, Requiem, I don't think any of us have played, rats. but, uh, well, yeah, there's no. rats, you know? Yeah, there's rats. And, you know, rats very good. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. That's an interesting choice. Um, I love, beloved by the Nintendo, like, the audience that plays it, but, you know. I think it's, I didn't um, think it would have made enough overall support to get a top, top six spot. I think it's it's the best representative that Nintendo had this year in the Game of the Year category. I guess uh, Violet and Scarlet missed the cutoff point for it. Yep. Um, but could have yeah. been Pokemon Arceus. Uh, I don't think I don't it know. was. I don't think it was good enough for yeah. the Game of the Year. When I when I hear people talk about Xenoblade, though, I hear people say very positive and very overall good things yeah. about Xenoblade. Sure, not everybody's talking about it, and it is for a very select group of a community or group of people. Um, but yeah, it is, it is an interesting position for it to be there. Yeah. Uh, and then stray, I mean, to be the indie title, uh, that got a nomination, uh, which we get every surprise of all the indie titles this year. I was surprised stray was the one that got, I think stray got the most, uh, general community reaction and hype. This year, and I think we've got to look at the Video Game Awards. We have to look at the Video Game Awards as the most general consumer of the video game shows in general. Like, it is the biggest. It generally is more looking at the the general population of the video game community. It's not looking at it from more of a... a... It's not open critic. Yeah. It's it's the highest score critic. wins. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's coming from a different point of view in many ways. Um, and I think Stray, when it came out, I think my my judge for a lot of these like indie titles is, and this I guess it's just for me personally, what was it like in the streaming community? Was it a game where all of the variety streamers or a large portion of variety streamers all started jumping onto the bandwagon and start playing yeah. it as an indie game? If yes, yeah. like It's the same as Untitled Goof Game last year or the year before. A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago now. Untitled Goose Game, where people were jumping on the bandwagon, so of course it was going to get its nominations and its fair share. Um, yeah, I just think Stray had its presence and was able to to kind of fit out a, a section of the market for itself within this category. And w- what would you say, what other choices would you make other than Stray if you were to say this is the indie slot for the video? Well, for ones? me, it's Call of the Lamb. That should have... Uh, got yeah, okay. there. Yep, definitely. But I've seen a lot of support for uh, Immortality, which is obviously um, again that was highly reviewed, and like anybody who's played who reviewed it that I've seen on our community, like mm-hmm. raved about yep. it. Um, or Vampire Survivors, which was a big hit earlier in the year, uh, that didn't get an odd in the category or up there uh, on the indie side. But uh, yeah, seeing as we're bringing up indie games, we might as well just go over the sure. best indie games. Best indie game nominees are Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, and Tunic. 
or really God, great game. Sifu fits in here. God, that feels like so yeah. long ago that we were talking about. Do- Sifu. I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, Elden Ring came out in January, so I mean, don't talk about it yeah. games be coming out. It's just, <laughs> but yeah, that's sold lists. Um, I mean, I've only played two of those. <laughs> oh no, I played a bit of Junic, but you know. Um, I hear Neon White's really great, but, you know, it's on Nintendo, so, and PC. <laughs> and so. PC. But yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, I'm pulling for Cold Lamb, not just because they're Australian, but, but that was one of my favorite games of the year, so. Yeah, any any surprising snubs, in your opinion? Not that I can think of, and I guess gaming this year. It's been a weird year where I think there was yeah. a lot to play, but at the same time... In terms of the bigger titles, maybe not as much. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think I think they've captured all of it. Um, yeah, looking quickly, looking through the releases this year, I think you know Bayonetta three. Why? Well, actually, you know what? I kind of do think Bayonetta three maybe should have could have been on the game of the year nominations. I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. From what I hear, the ending is offended so many people that <laughs> oh my goodness. they're like, nah. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is it, this is at the moment, I think, the the best of the, the crop that we have currently. That's the one people... I've seen people upset that Kirby and the Forgotten Land was not up for best game of the year. Um, people really like that game with all his, all his swallowing. I was going to avoid making jokes like that, but uh, you it's really, you really went deep there, mate. You really went deep. Um, but yeah, I can understand that. I can see looking at it. I think the only ones that are left out for me that are the, the Bayonetta threes. Um, yeah, Bayonetta three, really, Cult of the Lamb, Kirby. It's really weird that like games like we've still got a lot of bigger games coming out. Like we've still well, got- we've got a handful of big games. You got Callisto Protocol, Midnight Suns. Maybe that's it. <laughs> that that seems to be it from what I can see. And even like you know, released just this week, which I'm I'm excited to play, but I've denied myself from playing is Pentiment. I think Pentiment is a massive. Um, it is crazy they released this game, this game, and Somerville on Xbox Game Pass like right after the Game Award cut off. Um, should go to explosionnetwork.com. I've got a quality critics, Australian critics roundup. One did significantly higher than the other. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it Pe- is... No, I'll just say it. Pentiment got a nine on our quality quality yeah. critics score, which is the same score that God of War got, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm like, so... I'm, like, super... I want to play Pentiment so badly, but I am not... Because I know I want to finish God of War because I know if I start something else, it'll just end a cycle that I just don't go back to God of War. And I think yeah. that's, that's yeah, that's not the situation I want to be in currently. Uh, some other quirky nominees. Uh, Sifu has been nominated for Best Fighting Game. That is Seems a very to- random, like a very, I guess it's like, okay, where, what is the definition of a fighting game now? Because, okay, do in the past have games like Streets of Rage 4 fit into the fighting game category because it is very similar to Sifu? Um, or 
yeah, I guess is maybe this year just have been a bit light on fighters in general, and maybe they just feel like okay, potentially to fill it up, we need to put Sifu in there, and if Sifu wins, then we've got a problem. But I guess for a nomination, it makes sense. It was a narrative, but focused on the fighting aspect of the game and the the kung fu and like the martial arts, I should say, overall of the of the style yeah. of the genre. Uh, I don't think it's going to win that category, but yeah, no. it's, it's, it's an interesting addition. Then uh, a surprising one for me. <laughs> Was uh Scorn getting a nod for best art direction? That's the like look organ there is, like there is <laughs> a lot of like I think you know, all I've seen of Scorn is a lot of phallic kind of related items and like memes that have people have come out of from from that series. So I guess it is a different game and it is a different kind of art style and, and design choice overall. Um, that. Yeah, it, it is. It's an interesting, yeah, choice for art style. Once again, don't think it's going to win, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, look forward to us uh, giving our predictions uh, next week. When we, you know, it'll all come down to who can guess the correct esports teams. <laughs> uh, it really will, a hundred percent. And as always, just pick League of Legends stuff, I guess. Yeah. Also, how how happy are you going to be that the reigning Game Award winner will no longer be It Takes Two. That that does that is a positive of this. <laughs> Everybody's a winner in that situation. <laughs> Fucking book. Alright, let's move on. Ready from Eurogamer, Sonic co-creator Yuji Naka reportedly arrested for insider trading. Yuji Naka, known as the father of Sonic Hedgehog, has reportedly been arrested in Japan on suspicion of insider trading. The news was reported this morning by Japanese newspaper Manichi, and comes uh, a day after two other men were reportedly uh, reported to have been charged with insider trading connected to Final Fantasy publisher Square Enix. Naka, you may recall, worked with the company for a brief stint creating platformer Balm Wonderland. Uh, Naka, Naka is accused of purchasing shares worth uh, 2.8 million yen, which is a proper... I haven't got an Australian equivalent. In aiming, a Japanese developer which Square Enix partnered with to make a Dragon Quest mobile game before the company's involvement was public knowledge. In a similar situation to the man named in yesterday's report, one of them who has a long-term Square Enix employee. Uh, the pair was arrested by Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office's uh, Special Investigation Squad. Together, these men were allegedly alleged to have deliberately bought up aiming stocks between December 29 and February 2020 prior to the developer's project being announced uh interesting story one because it's in japan which is where you don't think of this sort of corruption happening very often uh and two you would think this would be a thing more often yeah kind of even though it is illegal you would think some with the way news breaks around people like people like somebody would have done this at some point (laughs) I guess maybe in Japan because it's such a different cultural in in terms of the way business works and the kind of the how structured things are in Japan. Maybe it's not as common, or they're just really good at getting away with it. And maybe sure. this has taken a very long time to come through. Um, it's sad that this has had to come around, and it's sad that that as such a, a a important figure in terms of the general history of gaming has, has mm. succumbed to this and has partaken in this. Um, Admittedly, he he did 
he did significantly less than the other two men. I think I saw a Yonghe video where he said he did only like $20,000 investment. The others were like $300,000. Yes. Investing. So, I mean. But if anything, his name is is etched into the halls of gaming history in terms of the Sonic history and and Sega. And, um, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a crappy thing. And I think it happens far more in business than anybody would know. And, and, and I think. It is yep. just one of those things that it happens as much as it, you know, as much more than anybody who gets caught doing it does, you know, we see. Yeah, it's just crazy and just definitely not a good look for Square Enix, you know. No. Uh, a company that we know is more than willing to do anything for a buck at the moment. Yeah, Square, Square Enix is a weird company. It's so sad how excited I am for Final Fantasy as well. Um, but I feel like Square Enix, I guess for me, Square Enix, I feel like there is a separation between the corporation of Square Enix and the creators that work for them. Um, that is, yeah, very at odds with each other currently. Okay. Reading from VG247, Riot Games and Ubisoft team up in AI research project using player chat logs as training data. Ubisoft and Riot are collaborating on an an anti-toxicity research project which will focus on collecting in-game chat logs as training data for AI algorithms. Both companies are set to release their findings from this data next summer, at which point future steps will be decided. Uh, Speaking to Wesley Kerr, Director of Tech Research at Riot, and Yves Jakir, Executive uh, executive Director of Ubisoft LaForge, both shared their goals and long-term hopes for the project. Hailing it as the first of its kind as an open research collaboration in the field of AI between the two gaming companies, they hope to... the learnings published next to next year will be the first step in the industry's effective use of AI as a tool to in reducing toxicity. According to Guakia, the project has three magic goals. First, to create a shared data set network filled with fully anonymous an- anonymized players' data. Second is to create an AI algorithm that can work off this data. Finally, from this partnership to act as a prototype for future industry in Initiatives against toxicity, encouraging competition and further strides in the field. It makes sense that Riot and Ubisoft would be the two companies invested in solving this problem. If its popular multiplayer titles are considered, Rainbow Six Siege gets really dirty real quickly as soon as team-wide cooperation takes a hit. And Riot's Trouble Twins, League of Legends, and Valorant are drenched in toxic ooze. Uh, Kieran, what do you think of them trying to combat toxicity? Toxicity, and what do you think they'll actually learn? <sighs> I think every video game community thinks that their community is the most toxic community. Every single <laughs> one. Every single one thinks their video game. And I think toxicity is a very common... Sadly, it's any community where you are not personally held accountable, where you can hide behind a screen name, where you can... It's just a profile or an avatar on the internet. Humanity as a whole is just so much worse than they would be in in kind of face-to-face um interactions and encounters so i think they will definitely just be like yeah fuck shit's toxic as fuck um i I think it is there's so many of these team games where it's far easier to blame other people than it is to focus on yourself and blame yourself for situations and Mm -hmm. mistakes and for problems within the game um i always reset you know i always personally with these kinds of games always kind of reset to the mentality and the mantra of these games are like you're the only thing you have control of in every single game you play so if you're losing all you can do is work out how you can change how you're playing to improve so you win and i think you know it is a mentality that not many people have and it's a mentality that a lot of people 
um, struggle to understand because they are much more kind of headstrong with God, my team fucking sucks. Kill yourself. Like all those kind of things. Like I'm very much in a mentality, especially with Overwatch. As soon as somebody oversteps, I'll instantly report that person. I think then that needs to be a, a more situation of don't accept people in those situations doing those things. As soon as they say a slur, as soon as they say something offensive, as soon as they're shitty people, report them, mute them, move on with your life. And I think if people did that instead of kind of buying into the toxicity and succumbing to toxicity, the community in the whole would just improve in general. Yeah, I mean, it's good that they're like doing something to try and combat it because obviously it is uh, a rough element of the the thing uh, of gaming and also something that's like stops. It's a obstacle that stops mm-hmm. people playing your yeah, games, like it, the the community involved. So, and the other thing that that is quite often happens is these games are free to play. So mm. even if you ban somebody for being toxic, they're just going to create account. another account and start again. Like it, it's it's yeah, there's there's there it does have to be some kind of findings for overall improvements and methods to improve the system as a whole. Yeah. So if they can find an AI that like times people out every time yeah. they're shit or something you know that'd be yes. really cool but i'm sure they're gonna find out it'll be interesting to see what they actually find out about 100%. the toxicity is it as bad as we think probably is it as widespread as we think probably mm-hmm. uh is there anything they can really do about it probably not no. <laughs> but at least we'll know which is which is in- the important thing so yeah mm-hmm. that that'll be interesting to see sometime next year uh what comes of that uh, reading from Well Played, good good people over there. Uh, the Witcher Three: The Wild Hunt's next gen update is coming in December. CG Pro- Pro- Project Red has announced the next gen update will go live on December fourteenth. Originally scheduled for release in twenty twenty one, before seeing multiple state delays, the next gen update will be free for PS Five, Xbox Series X, S, and PC players who originally owned the game. The update has a f- the expected visual and technical enhancements, as well as ray tracing support, faster load times, mod integration, and more. Alongside the update will be a free DLC pack that adds weapons and armor inspired by the Netflix series. If you don't own the game, the complete edition will be available for purchase digitally. That includes the game, both story expansions, and all free DLC. Uh, Kieran, will you be playing The Witcher 3 in December? Look, I was very tempted when I saw the the thing pop up on my PlayStation while I was loading God of War the other day. And uh, that was like, hey... Witcher three, like you know, the next generation version of it. I'm like, oh, that is a, that is a tasty. It'll be interesting. I will be interested to see how much they have done. It's not going to be mm. like a remake or a full scale thing, but it'll be interesting to see how much better the game plays or what improvements there are to that game that have been found in this. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually coming at a solid time, just because you know it's going to be the end of the year period. Um, and then, you know, there'll be a bit of a wait till the next big release at the start of 2023. So I'm just quickly, what, the biggest, uh, release 2023 for Spoken in 2024, January 2024. 2023? Uh, yeah, 2023, I'm talking about. Yes, you said twenty. At the start of the year? Yeah. Yep. 2024, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, uh, when is Resident Evil? Resident Evil's... F- it'll be the end of January, early February, right? Yeah, it, do- it doesn't have a locked-in release date. But yeah. yeah. Well, Spoken, I would argue, is the biggest locked-in mm-hmm. title for next year. Uh, so that's early January, with, of course, Dead Space coming, like, a couple of days later. So, uh, And then what's the biggest game at the end of this year? 
Callisto Protocol. Uh, yeah, Callisto Protocol would probably be. Uh, yeah, that or what did I say? Marvel's Midnight Suns. Yeah, which both come out start of December, so you know there'll be plenty of time for you to be hunting monsters, taking baths, in in high resolution. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, as someone who has never got around to finishing Witcher Three, maybe this will be the thing that, okay, maybe Deal- after probably. dealing with after dealing with customers during this re- crazy Christmas period, I'll come home and want to kill some monsters to like take the edge off. Potentially, that could be fun. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting story to see kind of develop over the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, popular free Superman Unreal Engine Five demo was stolen and sold as an eleven dollar game on Steam. Finally removed after two weeks of complaints. An eye-catching Superman demo made in Unreal Engine 5 and widely circulated online earlier this year has been taken and sold on Steam as an $11 game. The original proof-of-concept demo, titled a Superman-style flight experience, was created by Toybox Games' Tyson Butler Boschma. Interesting, Toybox Games were the guys behind uh, Primordial Order, I want to say. It was the Wombat Combat game. Uh, from yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, utilizing the city sample from Epic Games, the Matrix Awakens as sandbox to superhero <laughs> flight. Uh, in April, Butler Boschma uh, made the playable demo freely available on itch.io, but unfortunately, things it's here where things begin to go awry. At the start of November, uh, Butler Boschma was alerted to the fact an entity calling itself Hero Game Studios had taken his demo, a project he created for fun to show what it could be made in Unreal Engine 5, and started selling it on Steam under the name Hero City Superman Edition with an asking price of $10.99 US. Uh, initially, Butler Boschma urged his followers to retweet his concerns and report the game on Steam. Later, however, as Hero City's Superman edition continued to be sold despite his best efforts, he took to Steam's discussion boards to warn potential purchases away, whereupon Hero Game Studios banned him under the guise of hate speech. Uh, Butler Boschma's next step was to purchase a copy of Hero City's Superman edition in order to leave a Steam review where he could share his story in detail. I made the demo, this demo myself months ago as a proof of concepts using mostly free assets he wrote, and several YouTube videos and reviews will confirm this, and I've always been honest and open about it. Uh, to be safe, I bought this game, my game to absolutely confirm it was my project, it continued, and it was, I have confirmed that it was, that this is just now what, yeah, and I have confirmed this just now when I've played it, and I found the opening level I created from scratch with a message from me explaining to players how the simple demo works and offers two doors to walk through. It's the morality that is the biggest issue here. If they took it and put it in, on Steam for free, I wouldn't really have cared. But they are selling it, making wild claims, taking people's money, using pure lies, and dragging my name through the mud in the process. Uh, Hero Game Studios responded to the review, insisting our game is not stolen, and claiming Butler Bushman was one of the former devs of the user team, who left a long time ago, but now he claims that the entire project belongs to him, but that's completely false. The game's rights and development process belong entirely to us. The reason he, why he did this is because the sales are increasing quite rapidly. He thinks he can make money from it. Uh, while Hero Games' claims appeared dubious based on the timeline and events, that didn't stop it from pursuing Butler Bushman further, going as far as to launch a copyright claim on the YouTube video he had made in April to showcase his Superman demo. Uh, they are straight up attacking and harassing me at this point, and I don't really feel safe providing my personal information for a counterclaim, exasperated by LaBosch on Twitter. I am at a complete loss at this point. Steve has done nothing, and now I feel 
the same will happen on YouTube. Well, thankfully, albeit two weeks on, and only after the incident began to gain traction across major news outlets, the progress has finally been made. The copyright claim on Butler Bush's YouTube video has been resolved, and Valve has at long last pulled Hero City Superman Edition from sale, although questions remain about how it managed to make it through the platform submissions process in the first place. Interesting story. A uh, bunch of dicks swindling a bunch of people off somebody else's work. Pretty shitty. It is very shitty, and it just kind of pulls into, um, it just pulls <clears throat> into focus. Just Steam is a place where you could just chuck anything on Steam, and the actual uh, kind of QA and the the assessment of these games is very poor. You can take somebody else's work and just chuck it on Steam and and start selling it and making money with it. Like it is, yeah. As Steam is a marketplace has a lot of problems still considering it is probably the the premier marketplace for pc games uh it is yeah there is still a lot of problems there yeah absolutely and you know um it's good it's been resolved um i'm sure like all the people behind selling the game will scatter to the wind now and will never they'll work now under some other name and like you know they won't get any punishment from this other than not being able to make any more money off this but yeah it's a pretty shitty situation that probably took way too long to be resolved but yeah we can all take solace that you know it isn't end it's over but yeah if you want to play it go to uh the itchy itch.io link in the Eurogamer article i guess uh check that out uh reading from press start control 2 is officially confirmed oh. in development with a new publisher Last year, we reported that Remedy had signed a deal with 505 Games to complete two new games. Today, the developer has announced that one of those titles is a sequel to 2019's award-winning action thriller, Control. Uh, Remedy has signed an agreement with international publisher 505 to co-develop and co-publish the sequel, Control 2. Uh, the project is in concept stage, and the initial development budget sits at uh, 50 million euros. Remedy Entertainment will retain ownership of the game's international intellectual property development Development, marketing, post-launch investments, and future net revenues will be evenly divided between 505 and Remedy. Uh, of course, Control was the Explosion Network's game of the year in mm, 2021. So, uh, Kieran, are you excited for Control 2? Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited for it. I think Control did a fantastic job of not only telling its own story, but setting up a world that is so much depth and so much intrigue and so much mystery surrounding it that there is plenty of room to be explored within this world. So, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for, for when it does come about and it does rear its head with Control 2. They set up a, an overall arching universe with its connections to Alan Wake. So, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm really excited for, for the the how they further develop not only the story and narrative of the Control universe, but also the further improvements and the innovation that they continue to make in terms of gameplay and movement because i think in many ways control was so freeing and so interesting to play with its its skill set and the way it could be used throughout its levels so um i'm, I'm really excited and i hope we get more out of it yeah I'm, I'm keen for other people to get more of uh control obviously it was like a in a quiet year it was kind of a breakout hit so yeah. uh did you play control no, I never got around to play Control. Oh my god, you need to play Control, it's so good. Yeah. Maybe in the lead up to the, the next one, so yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I wanted to get a bit of a Overwatch 2 update from you, but first, this is a hilarious story that I saw. Overwatch 2 selling $10 May skin, even though she's unplayable. 
Uh, Blizzard released a really cool epic skin for May. The only problem is the players can't see what her skin looks like because she's been temporarily taken down. May has been missing since Halloween when Blizzard announced it would be tempor- temporarily disabling May to address a bug with her ice ball ability that allowed heroes to reach unintended locations. May mains were told they would their, have their ice queen back with the release of Overwatch 2's November 15th patch. However, the patch is delayed mere hours before it was supposed to launch yesterday to address a critical error. Uh, despite the delay, Overwatch 2 went ahead and released the new Epic May skin named Retro Star. Even if you purchase skin by per- by coughing up $10 or using Overwatch 2's in-game currency, you won't be able to see how the skin looks in action with May, its emotes, and play of the game cinematics because she isn't currently in the game. This story's outdated, by the way, because she's it, now what? in the game. She's now in the game. Yeah, that story lasted about uh, a day. She's actually she's actually in the game now. The obviously the shop refresh. Was I set don't up. know. She might be out of the game by the time this comes. No, nope, so. no, nope, she's back in the game because I know because <laughs> she's kind of frustrating to play against at the moment. But um, no, no, May's back in the game. This look, the way Blizzard handled this wasn't great, but at the same time, people, I swear, people are just trying to like. Wait a second. Was this Kotaku again? Motherfucking Kotaku <laughs> at it again. Fucking I swear. But no, um, it, it is, yeah, it, it's it's making a, a mountain of molehill. It sucked. It was a little dubious that their shop still worked if other things were broken in the game. But as a whole, it is what it is. The character came out. People could buy it if they wanted to buy it. Fuck it, whatever. Like, yeah. it, I'm sure you would have been able to play with it eventually. So I mean, it's not that like, big yeah, deal. it was. I think it was a, about a day, maybe less. That you could still they could have timed it better. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. they could have. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, but yeah, how are you feeling about Overwatch Two? I think it's good. I'm happy with Overwatch Two still. Um, I'm excited for like they've already they did an announcement of the next hero last week or the week before at the Overwatch League finals. Um, we're still waiting on more information with that. We're about a week and a half, two weeks away from the next season starting. Um, uh, I think some of the stuff they're doing is questionable. The most powerful character in the game, which is one of their new heroes, Sojourn, they're refusing to nerf or adjust, but they'll randomly like put a nerf in for Junkrat's steel trap tile, uh, steel trap, which is you know not a problem. I think maybe they're not updating the game as fast as they <laughs> sorry had promised. Like we are seven weeks into the game being launched and we only just got a, a patch to update and rebalance a lot of the characters. So hopefully they do that. They originally said they would release patches early in the cycles of each season. So hopefully they stick to it the next season. They, they cycle and they patch around everybody, including the new character. Um, sure. They're selling practices aren't the best with the pricing. I actually think a lot of the pricing in my opinion has actually gone down. Um, and they actually have started to make an effort into changing how much things cost because I think that May skin would have costed 1,700 coins, 2,000 coins closer um, previously. So I think they are, you know, and they've released in a blog that, hey, they hear everybody's complaints at the moment. They are working towards it. They will improve it. Um, I think Overwatch is in a good place. It's just got to, they've just got to pick, the Blizzard's just got to pick up a little bit and be a bit more proactive with, with the way they're managing the game overall. Alright. Uh, seeing as I took a dig at, you know, Overwatch, I, I thought I'd pick a story that, you know, would make you kind of <laughs> uplift you a little bit. Okay, okay, uh, okay. Crystal Dynamics heard you loud and clear. Uh, Legacy of Kane series <gasps> looks set to make a comeback. 
It looks like the Legacy Kane series could be make, set to make a comeback some 19 years after the last entry was released. Following its purchase of the venerable Vampire IP in recent months, developer Crystal Dynamics polled fans of whether or not they would like to see the series return, and what form that return should take. The answer, perhaps unsurprisingly, was a resounding yes. More than 100,000 people responded to the survey, and of that number, more than 70,000 completed it in its entirety. Apparently, when video game companies put out these kind of questionnaires, they are lucky to get a couple thousand responses to the best. So it's a sign that the legacy of Kane fandom is alive and well. As transcribed by VGC, uh, Crystal Dynamics CEO Phil Rogers said during Embracer Group's recent earnings call that he saw the news of our shared of our survey shared across social and press platforms, and we really felt this was a great way to reignite this passionate fan community with this legendary PC and console game series. Rest assured, hear you loudly and clearly, and we'll continue to update you on what-if possibilities ahead of Legacy Ka- uh, ahead for Legacy of Kane in the future. Kieran, do you really want a Legacy of Kane game? I was one of the people that completed the survey. <laughs> yes, massively. I love that series. I think there's so much potential for storytelling and innovation in that series. I think it's so fucking cool. I'd be happy if they just restarted it and rebooted it and did Razia's story again because that story was fucking hype and I don't feel like enough people um, played through it at this point in time. You know, this is... If, we, we, we could, if we're going back to it, this was Amy Hennig's baby. The Amy Hennig that is now kind yeah. of video game writing royalty in many ways. Like... This is... I'm so fucking excited, and I hope this follows through, and I hope this does come to to being more... It's a kind of to fruition for us to get a game out of the series, because I think both the Legacy of Kane games and the Soul Reaver games were so fantastic to play and so exciting to play, and, and I think there's a lot more potential to come out of that series still. Yep. I mean, there's no... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's another entry, because uh, in additional to this... Uh, it was revealed that uh, Embracer Games uh, has, uh, according to them, 234 games in the works for PC and console uh, to be released between now and the end of March 2026. Fucking hell. Uh, only 25 are considered AAA, and all of them are planned to be released uh, in that period. So that's a lot of games. Of course, of Embracer games. secretly became like one of the biggest mm. publishers in the world <laughs> yep. over the last few years. Uh, uh, yeah, why wouldn't it let us... Surely they can find somebody to make a Legacy of Kane game. I think they definitely will keep... be able to. Especially... If, they've got, if they found people to make more SpongeBob games and destroy all humans <laughs> games, you know? Yeah, definitely. Surely they can find somebody to do that. Uh, final news story is one that... Uh, another story that kind of made me laugh. Uh, Nintendo Japan may now refuse console repairs if you've rude to staff. Nintendo Japan has updated its terms and conditions to allow its customer service staff to refuse repair requests if faced with harassment. An update to Nintendo Japan's repair and warranty regulations in October warned customers they will no longer be eligible for a product repair replacement if they are found to have behaved inappropriately to staff. This includes instances where a staff member has been threatened or verbally abused, or where a customer may have been deliberately wasting their time. Uh, the move has been welcomed by the Japanese government's Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare, which called the stance effective. Uh, Kieran, should this be applied everywhere? This is already like so for any for Australians listening to this, this is just <laughs> fucking normal. If somebody's rude in Australia, you could just tell them to fuck off nicely. 
But you could just tell them to leave and you're not serving them. It is like when I was training people at McDonald's back in the day, that was rule number one. If somebody is crap to you, if somebody's rude, if somebody goes beyond what, you know, is understandable in some situations, you're within every right to be like, sorry, I'm not serving you. Please leave the store. I I think that's different, though. Like selling a product, that's okay. But if there's a reason why something nah, should be I think, under warranty or nah, should be, like, nah. fault, if something's faulty. If you're being sure, you've got the right of that. But if the moment you are rude to get that done, you start abusing people. And look, this is the thing. This is where the definition of what is rude and what is abusive comes into it. Because mm. you can understand some people when they're frustrated that their product isn't working. Or the the turnaround time to get their product back isn't working. Or... Or anything, but I think it's just a basic human decency. Just be nice to people. These people aren't the reason that your switch broke. Just <laughs> be nice to th- like. This is the stupid. The stupid thing for me is I don't get people who are rude in this situation when you're wanting to claim a warranty or break. You don't do that. You fucking you nice the person. You be as nice as the person. That's the most effective. And they will like they will go the extra mile. They will support you. They will they will be like you know what I think I could squeeze this in a bit earlier. Sometimes you know what I think I could organize this. Maybe we could do this for you. You know, like is is be nice to these people and you yeah. get stuff. Be angry, you're not going to get stuff. You're not gonna you know you're not gonna have a good time. So I think it's perfectly acceptable for Nintendo, and I think it should be the common standard and especially for japan i think japan is a bit different and this is yeah japan is very you know uh overly polite yes you know so it makes sense of why they would implement this policy and they would probably face no backlash but if you were to apply it say in america whoa yeah. can you imagine you should they should anyway they should 100 percent. it should apply to everything everywhere if i can label you as a karen then i can say no to your request legally Yes. <laughs> yeah, so the big release of the week, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, uh, the latest entry in the Pokemon franchise, uh, the first one to have more of an open world, allow you to go any direction you want. Uh, whole new gen of Gen Nine of Pokemon. Uh, Kieran, you're known for being uh highly susceptible to uh, <laughs> uh, fear of missing out. You know, have you been tempted to pick up Pokemon Violet and Scarlet? Look, all of you know. If I was a person piloted by like a mini naval fleet of of military staff. They would have, uh, before Pokemon Violet and Scarlet came out, they would be like, Band down the hatches, man. Prepare, we're <laughs> going to be hit by a feeling of FOMO. And, uh, you yeah, know, would be prepared for it. I feel like no FOMO so far. Even when I look at it, I see how poorly optimized the game is at the moment. Mm. I see that uh, it just looks like more Pokemon, which normally I think it's okay, but I just want, I desperately want the Pokemon Company, Game Freak just to iterate a little bit on your game. But iterate (laughs) in some like, different ways. You know, the first Pokemon that has voice acting in it guaranteed, I'm pre-ordering. 
Okay. That is that is like how. I don't frustrating- know if I want a voice acted Pokemon I based do. on this. <laughs> w- w- can you imagine? Is- can you imagine the 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 sudden stuttering of the the voice acting well, in the middle okay. of the important conversations? Okay, yes, has to be optimized well. Conversations, on important conversations, important conversations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, can you imagine all the glitches? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. But at the same time, this watching this game further cements my thing of, as I've said before on this show, Nintendo, stop making hardware and just become a software developer. Just make Oof. your games for the other consoles. Do you think it's the 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 Switch hardware that's holding? I think it's both. back, or I is think it it's then the general? I think it's the. I think. It's Game Freak slash Nintendo rushing this game to market before Christmas and not optimizing mm. it correctly and, and rushing it to it. I think it is the the Switch. Even though you can say, okay, but games like The Witcher 3 and Persona 5 Royal and and every other game that's like open world runs fairly well on their consoles and they're much more higher graphic fidelity. But at the same time, I'm just like, yeah, but... If you just had a higher power console that wasn't trying to be a portal at the same time, just do that. Just play. Let's just build your game there. Yes, I I am forever connected to the idea of portability with Pokemon, but I just want the game to run well. The point where like I see gameplay images of like shadows stuttering as people are like running past and stuff like that is just not good. It's just, I don't know, I just... I I feel like so many titles from when I was a kid have matured and evolved as the gamers and as the people that played them have. And yes, Pokemon will always be a child's um a child's game, like a, a more kid-focused and family-focused game. Yes. But as we've seen with such properties for children as Bluey, that you can do that, but at the same time, you can still be entertaining and marketable and positive for mature audiences and for, for adults. You have an adult fan base, you know? I would almost say that more adults play Pokemon than children do. Mm. And I would say, you know, this it just needs this... Pokemon just needs to grow up a little bit and mature a little bit. Not in terms of the content, but in stuff like voice actors, the method the game is played, maybe shake up and change and get some innovation in there. You look at a Pokemon game, and like when I looked at it, I'm like, that game looks exactly the same as Short Sword and Shield. And Sword of the Shield, sure, Sword and Shield had kind of uh, advancements in the overall game, in the overall graphic quality and the, the style of the game. But when I looked at Sword and Shield, I went, yeah, it's a Pokemon game. That that is the same game that I've been seeing since Gold and Silver, you know. Since you mm. know, if you if you compared them, there's still a lot. Like I understand the culture around them, the culture of finding your shinies, the culture of catching them all. Um, these challenges like your your Nuzlocks and your Living Dexes and stuff like that. I understand them. I just think they could be done in a much better and more efficient way that Nintendo, if they put a bit of love and care into it and a little bit more time into progressing the game innovatively, could be a much better game and a much better experience. Yeah, uh, it's in- it's an interesting game because on one hand, it is 
possibly the most broken Nintendo game that's ever been released. Yes. I can't really think of another one. Uh, we've seen some of the crazy glitches, including uh, characters having giant big heads, people falling through the map, uh, Jigglypuff just suddenly flying <laughs> away, <laughs> uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. On the other hand, people are calling it the most fun Pokemon game yet. People are loving the actual gameplay and the story and everything of the actual game. It's just being hindered by all these technical uh, issues. So, I don't know. In one year's time, are we going to be like, yeah, this was the best Pokemon when they finally fix it? Or are we going to be... Or is everybody going to be turned off by this game because of the technical issues? It's, it's difficult to say. But yeah, it is crazy that they released this game in the shape it's in. Um... Did Pokemon really need to release it before Christmas? You know? Are the sales really going to be that different between if it was released any other time of year? I don't think so. Yeah. And this is this is the other thing, right? If you were like, okay, let's have like a month. Some people might be like, okay, let's do month before Christmas. So we get a good month of the normal price. And then during Christmas, we have a sale price that's a bit cheaper. No, it's fucking Nintendo. That's that price that it's going to be for the next it's 10 forever. years. Yeah. That is that is forever that price. Like I don't. It's not like they're going to be impacted by that. It's not like people are going to be like, "Oh, it's Christmas. We're going to buy it." No, fucking. You know what? If you released it in January, parents would be buying it for their kids in Christmas that year because it's Pokemon. If they got to wait till Christmas, they would wait and still buy it anyway. But yikes! Just no. Okay. Uh, but in this newest iteration, we have, there have been 103 new Pokemon added to the Pokedex, the overall Pokedex, which takes the total of Pokemon. They, do you know what the total number of Pokemon is now? No, it's like over a thousand easy, right? Yeah, it's like a thousand and eight. Fucking hell. Which is crazy when we all started with 150 and we could all remember what, what they were or not. (laughs) So (laughs) I figured we would, uh, kind of repurpose one of our previous, like, segments about Pokemon. We're going to have a year nah discussion about the Pokemon in uh, Violet and Silver, the new ones. So yeah, we're just going to go through the list. We'll see how many we can go through in the next little bit. I I think this is going to be a multiple episode endeavor (laughs) (laughs) based on our previous year nah discussion. Uh, But yeah, I'll kick things off with the first batch of Pokemon. We've got Sprigato, Sprigato, Sprigato. Sprigato? Still don't... Yeah. It, it evolves into Florigato, and then it evolves into Masquerada. Um, so, yeah. One is the little weed cat, <laughs> and evolves into a weed cat that is, like, standing on its hind legs. Uh, you know, much in... It, yeah, and then it evolves into Masquerada, which is described as the magician Pokemon, which is, like, uh, I guess, kind of makes sense. I think that's kind of cool. Masquerado. I actually, yeah. you know what? As a whole, I think that's pretty cool. I'd say yeah to those. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. I mean, it's a solid evolution. I saw a lot of hate for Masquerado at first, but you know. Oh really? No, I think they're kind of cool. It definitely, yeah. It, yeah, the, the the weeds kind of look like a cape on his back. I guess weirdly. Uh, yeah. But I think that's what it's supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be like a mouse, a masquerade person, masquerade. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, do you want to take the next one? Uh, I do. I do. Okay, so it's Fucoco, which turns into 
Crocolo, which is goes to Skeledurge. I'm gonna know. I feel like we've seen this Pokemon before. Like, I, d- I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm good with a now on this one. How about you? Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think it's a good uh, match. Just, Obviously, it's like a the ev- evolution of like a crocodile from a. Uh, <laughs> it, the middle one is a little bit awkward. I will say. Yes. The crocodile, a little bit awkward. Uh, it looks like a little like almost like a turtle <laughs> with a the, with a hat. <laughs> the thing for me, this looks like a. It just looks like a fire totodile, but they shit the bed with the mm. third evolution. Like, Totodile's evolution looks so cool. Like, the whole, like, the Totodile, I didn't like Totodile, but Totodile still, still looks cool in all of its evolutions. I just don't, don't like it. So, I will say, Skeledurge, uh, the third evolution, it's, so, the second, in the second one, it's got, like, a, the little egg on top. Yes. So, that hatches in the third evolution into, like, a little firebird, which is sitting on its, on its nose. I don't know if you can tell from those images. No, I can't. Yeah, it's uh, and apparently it's the singer Pokemon, which <laughs> you wouldn't have guessed. It it, it likes yeah, to sing. I no, think it's cool. I think no. uh, I think it should make fans happy because you know it stays on all four legs, you know, which is a very <laughs> rare occurrence and True. something people can complain True. about. So yeah. Uh, next up, we got Quaxley, which evolves into Quaxwell, which evolves into Quackaval. Which you know is it just gets more fancy and more, you know, preppy. <laughs> it gets older, <gasps> uh, and the you know the Quackerville uh, is a dancer Pokemon, you know, which you, you can definitely see. It's got this weird like headdress thing, you know. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I think so. I wish it had kept like the quaff going that it had in like the first like in Quaxley's form. I wish that had just gotten into like a more outrageous hairdo as it evolved, but I think overall it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So, so, so out of the three starters, now that you know the full evolutions, uh, which way are you going? In order, it's like Sprigatito, Quaxley, then Fukoko. Which is weird because I'm not really a grass type kind of person. Okay. I don't think I've ever really been a grass type. So the fact that I am in this one is kind of kind of strange. No, I'm going Quaxley Spigurato. No, Quaxley Fukoko Spigurato, no. or whatever his name is, purely because I can't say his name. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next ones. Oh, okay. This is Lechonk and Lechonk Oink Oloni. Oink Oloni. Yep. I think. Uh, pigs. I think Lechonk's pretty dope. I've always liked... Since they said that that Pokemon's name is Lechonk, I'm, I've been all about it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll go yeah as well. Like, you know, Lechonk looks like a little sad boy. Uh, reading some a description. Uh, Lechonk uses its sense of smell to find and eat only the most fragrant wild grasses and the richest berries. As a result of its dining habit, it creates a radiant aroma resembling herbs that bug-type Pokemon dislike. So, yeah. It looks like it would also be delicious. Uh, <laughs> also, it's got a ma- different male and female uh, evolutions. Which I can you know. appreciate. You can Even appreciate it. You know, yeah, still, that's got problems in itself. But, yeah, as a whole. Uh, next up, we've got a couple of bug Pokemon, because of course we've got a couple of bug Pokemon early in the Pokedex. You've got 
to Rantula, and which evolves into Spidops. So, you know, Tarantula looks like it's like a little spindly spider, kind spindly of. spider web ball, mm-hmm. and evolves into like a, you know, it almost like a dandy long legs kind of thing. I don't know. It looks like a, a bug monkey from just the yeah, thing. kind of. You know, like it looks like it's yeah. weird because it's like it looks like it's holding several of its legs together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to make it like double legs when arms. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna go nah. Yeah, nah. Was that yeah or nah? That was yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Uh, we got Nimble, which is like a little bug guy, which turns into Lockix. I want to say yeah, just because Lockix reminds me of Heracross a lot. And I thought Heracross had a cool as fuck uh, design when Heracross first came out. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah as well. It's like a grasshoppery kind of influence. Uh, it looks like sort of like a ninja <laughs> the evolution. Exactly. Uh, it's got the white white band on it. Like it's yeah, you know, I'm 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 mean on this one. All right, that's, that's good. Uh, next up we've got uh poor me, which evolves into poor mo, which evolves into poor mot. Yes. Don't don't even yes. Give me my money and give me a plushie of any of them. Yeah, it looks like a little cute, like, electric teddy bear. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, it, also, you know what? I'm not always a fan of, like, a lot of these Pokemon that suddenly turn into a fighting type just because they stand on two legs. But I'm okay with this. Yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm all about it. Yeah. You're happy because it'll take Pikachu in a fight, probably. Exactly. And it would slam dunk that little fucking ana- anime shitter. Alright, uh, next one. Uh, this one looks like a... Uh, it's called Clodsire. It's like... A so this is the evolution of the Pal- Paldean Wooper. Oh, which is like okay. a brown version variant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, okay. It continues that kind of almost lizard... I can't remember what they're called, but there's a... It, yeah, it's a type of lizard or an aquatic lizard. Um... Yeah, I guess. Should but no, no for me. I don't know. It looks very bland. I'm I'm gonna go nah. It just looks it. It kind of looks like an eclair. <laughs> it looks like an eclair. <laughs> Fucking hell, you weed some weird ass eclairs. <laughs> well, it looks like a if weird. If I saw an eclair donut. like that, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. It's got a weird mouth and see. <laughs> nah. No. Uh, next up, we've got Tandem Mouse. Uh, which is like two little white Jerry's, <laughs> <laughs> or white mice. Yeah, like like Jerry the mouse, you know, from Tim and from Tom, uh, and Jer- Tom and Tom and Jerry. You, sorry, sorry, did you always say Tim and Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I was about to. Oh my god! Uh, and then it evolves into Mousehold, which is those two same mouse, but with a little baby. That's so cute. It means those mouse. Have There's sex. also a variant in which you get two little babies. Oh my god, that's even better. They had more sex. Yes. <laughs> or they had twins. Damn. Yes. Okay, yeah. That's an interesting, interesting pick. Who doesn't love Pokemon that take their children and put them in danger? Am I right? Them. It's Kangaskhan, you know? <laughs> Didn't the original... Um... Oh, with the pouch. I can't remember. I don't care enough about Pokemon to remember. There's another one. But yes. Alright. 
Uh, next. Uh, so there's Fido and Dash Bun, which, <laughs> yes, as a whole, cool, but also at the same time, I don't know how I feel about Pokemon being almost made to look edible. I almost feel wrong about those. And they look like they've got buns as ears. They're very cute. But no, because I don't I don't want to feel like I want to eat my Pokemon. Uh, this is a yeah for me. One, because they look adorable. Two, because i got to appreciate the pun work there. Fido and Dash, Dash Bun. Mm. Hilarious. It definitely looks like the way it evolves is you put the, the, the Fido in the oven. <laughs> That's how it evolves. You have to put it in the oven for like 20 minutes and it, <laughs> it becomes a... Fucking hell. Yeah, you don't put you don't hit it with a stone. You put it in the oven. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Smoliv, which evolves into Doliv, which evolves into a Bolivar. This is a nah for me. I'm not a bit of an Olive fan, so uh, yeah, this was nah. always going to be a no for me from the start. Nah, nah, I don't like Olives either. <laughs> Not, no. Definitely not, no. not, definitely not edible one you're okay with not, no, not exactly. getting on board with. I'm just, I'm not getting on board with edibles in general, but, well, edible <laughs> Pokemon in general. Um, but no, no, not about them. All right, next. Squawkabilly. This is like a little parrot with looks like he's got a little hat on him. And yeah, I think he's uh, pretty cute. Yeah, that's a yeah from me. Uh,. Yeah, I think a year is fair, you know. It what is it? I'm trying to look at get another closer look at him. Uh I mean, he's fine. Apparently he comes in a bunch of different colours, so I mean that's that's something, but can, can uh, we- Next up we got Nasly and Nassel Stack, which looks like uh a rock mushroom. It evolved <laughs> Doesn't it? To me, it just like the, it looks like they're Minecraft blocks. It does. Oh, and it also evolves into Garsel Gargankle, yeah. which looks like that one's the weirdest one, uh, one of all. It turned. I, I think it's evolving in like to a more of a monkey state, and it becomes like a giant gorilla with like a pyramid for a head. <laughs> this is. <laughs> they're smoking some weird stuff over there. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. <laughs> Uh, uh, let me go back. Uh, we're up to uh, Annihilate, which not gonna lie, this guy looks fucking awesome. He looks like a little ape, but he's a ghost ape, so he's all fucking crazy looking. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about this. Yeah, yeah. So this seems to be a new evolution of Prime Ape. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Which you know makes sense, and uh, yeah, it looks like. If it looks like Primeape, you know, had a couple of rough nights and like... I was going to say, do you have to like kill your Primeape to get to this point? Or... <laughs> Maybe, you know. Looking forward to how Ash gets that Pokemon. Oh my god. If he's still, still he's in still the show. He's still got his OG Primeape. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got... Charcadet, Amirage, and Seraluge, uh, which are all fire Pokemon. Dude, this looks hype. These are like little knights? Yeah. The, look, the, not gonna lie, Chakadet's 
mask kind of face is looks more like a gimp mask than a it uh, does than a night mask. But uh, Armor Rouge and uh, Seraledge look fucking they look, awesome. They do. They look like they should be in a freaking uh, Soulsborne game. Yeah, a hundred percent. I want them in a Soulsborne game, fucking dashing around the screen, killing shit. Hell yeah. Give us that game, Pokemon. You know. Uh, okay, yeah, these two are guessing at an evolution. Yep. Tad bulb into belly bolt. (laughs) 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 I want to say yes, just for belly bolt. Belly bolt looks cool, looks so cute, like a little chonker, little chongers guy. Yeah, I'm going to go yeah as well. Like, clearly it's like a tadpole light bulb is what they're going for. But Belly Bolt, I mean, that's an adorable looking dude with a derpy face and the eyes on the side of his head. It's just holding the, the its belly, little frog dude. Yeah. I'm all aboard that. That is some adorable shit. <laughs> some would even call it hashtag cutie. Hashtag cutie. Uh, next up, we got Wattrell and Killer Wattrell, <laughs> which is clearly, a you know, it's an electric bird. So wouldn't it be a yeah. Wattrel? Like a Waddle, but Wattrel? Wattrel, okay, yeah, Wattrel. And then, yeah, Kilo Wattrel. Yeah. Um, I like the names. I think they are your traditional... I mean, they're perfectly average flying... <laughs> yeah, they are your traditional birds. normal Pokemon birds. Uh, next. Uh, next one. Sorry, I signed up for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dun Dun Sparse. <laughs> so this is the evolution of Dun Sparse, which is apparently in Sword and, Sword and Shield. Oh, in Brilliant, you can't, in Brilliant Diamond. Sorry. In Pearl. Or whatever. Um, yeah, no. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck this Pokemon no. is. Looks like just a nothing Pokemon. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like a weird bug, which... Just evolved from like it just looks like the other one, but from a different angle. Yeah, yep. Like it's just more three D'd. So it's very sparse on its design. All right. Uh, next up, we got Farrah Giraffe. This looks like a giraffe, but with you know, <laughs> black head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's an evolution, right? Of the is other it? giraffe Pokemon? Could be. Let um, me... Ash, we are highly unqualified. <laughs> it is. It's an evolution of Girafarig. Oh my god. So it's like the name... Well, the half of it, like, put in the other... It's it's an anagram. <laughs> it's, like, it's like combining, like, the fairy... Girafarig would have, like... One half is like a cute side, the other one's like a ghostly side. This one is a combination of the two and like a giant giraffe head. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go nah. That, that is kind of freaky looking, unsettling. I think I want to say yeah, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? We're we're ne- we're going through this Pokemon. We're almost done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Next ones. Uh, Mastiff and Mabo Stiff. <laughs> what is. 
Damn. They just look like two old dogs. How can you say no to Mavo Stiff? Look at those eyes. (laughs) He just looks like so depressed. He looks... He's like, I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) One of his abilities is guard dog. I feel like you have to say yeah just for them being good best boys. Yeah, I'm definitely going yeah. No? Yeah, it definitely looks like what... Like, Mastiff is like the, the younger version... And it's the old one who's seen a lot of shit. <laughs> seen all his fellow Pokemon faint. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Let himself go. Uh, next up, we've got Shrewdle and Gath- Graffy, Graffi, which is like, uh, I don't know what is going on here. Um, I guess it's some sort of like Lima. It's like a Lima, I guess. Yeah. It's like a yeah, baby that's- Lima and then turns into... A, big a lemur. bigger lemur with like wet fingers, literally whipping wet fingers, <laughs> dripping wet fingers. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna yeah. Um, I'm gonna say yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You never bought this. Uh, next up. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, a Bramblin and a Bramblegast. They're a pair of Brambles that are ghosts? No. Yeah, this is a no from... What? It's just a bunch of thorns in like a pot. It's like a thimbleweed. I know, I know. <laughs> they were, they're, they're starting to... Some of these are really starting to scrape the bottom of my Yeah, yeah, what? You know, aren't... <laughs> this is great. Uh, next up, we got Toad's Cool and Toad's Cruel, which is really just a pink variant of Tentacruel and Tentacruel. But they're mushrooms. But they're, they're, I guess they're mushrooms, but they're ground and grass Pokemon, but they look almost identical. It's just a color swap. It sure is, except for yep. they, they're ground and grass types, so yeah. they don't, they're not in the water. Yeah, this is the, gra- this is the earth equivalent Okay. All right, here we go. Last one, you know, for this edition. For this edition, okay. Of okay. Pokemon Year Now. <laughs> is Clawf? <laughs> which I feel he embodies how I'm feeling right now. Which is, why what? are we here? What are we doing? Why am I like this? Uh, he's a little pitcher guy, little little crabby guy. Raise those little claws in the air like you just don't care. And for that, I'm going to say yeah. <laughs> I'm going nah, but, you know, it's a, <laughs> it, it's a weird crab, but with, like, some fur on it. It's weird. Well, he's, just, he's got, like, elbow pads, like furry elbow pads all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep, yeah, so that's uh, the first 50 or so new Pokemon edition. Let us know what you think of those Pokemon by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to our Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. Let us know which ones of those you'd say yeah to, which ones you'd say nah to, and let us know how much you're looking forward to our next iteration of this segment. <laughs> of course, head over to explosion.com to check out our news reviews, other podcasts, 
Uh, and if you really like this episode, and wow, uh, after the last 20 <laughs> minutes, you definitely should. Uh, <laughs> go fetch at explosion.com slash support. Buy us a coffee for as little as a dollar. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, um, we'll see you here. Same time, same couch. That was great. I love that.